Well, let's let it happen. Let's go into having to like cold read this as raw as we can. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna really add to the experience. Cool. Well, let me start this episode. <laughs> Welcome to Run Brackets. This is Nemo, your host. I use they them pronouns. And this week on what has Nemo been watching in lockdown? <laughs> powering through all of my friends' favorite TV shows. I've been watching The Terror, which I feel like anyone who likes um, Jean Valjean and Javert would like. It's basically that, but on a ship. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's just some old men um, being very angry and very sad, (laughs) but also very loving, which is nice. (laughs) It's everything you need. (laughs) What more could a Nemo ask for? (laughs) Uh, this is Stevie, she, her pronouns. <laughs> this is she, her, Stevie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Stevie, just let's just mash it all into one. Um, your primary researcher, sometimes secondary. I was thinking about my job as secondary earlier and was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll look up something someday. <laughs> um, and last night, it was voted by my friends that I'm the love child of Timothy Chalamet and Kermit the Frog. <laughs> it's been a lot to take in, but also, I didn't know, I'm very bad at putting names to faces. So when they picked the picture of who Timothy Chalamet was, it was like, I want to refute it, but I can't. <laughs> Even I can see it. Like, when it first came up, when, when it first got suggested, I was like, I'm not sure I could see that because the image of Timothy Chalamet in my head... I didn't really, I couldn't like impose them over the top of you. But the picture that was sent in the group <laughs> chat, I was like, yeah, there it is. Paint him green. And then that's Stevie. <laughs> I was like telling myself, like that one lad that Victor Hugo was like, that one bad painting. This guy looks like him. Then I'm like, do I always look like this twig? <laughs> well, he looks like me. I was, I was here first. I don't know how old he is. Am I older than him? Am I like 46. Okay. I don't know, because I don't know him just when you guys are like, oh, he's the new twink from that one gay film. Yeah, but like with um, us discovering that Ben Whishaw is like 50. Well, he's not, he's 40. (laughs) He's going to be older every time we make that statement. Oh, shit. No, he's he's the same age as me, 1995. (gasps) I'm, I'm his... He's he's me plus Kermit. No, he's me minus Kermit. Okay. <laughs> God, I'm older than the than the twink face claim. I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse. Um. Well, I think he was like the twink. He was definitely the twink in 2017. He's had like four years to fill out. I'm sure he has. <laughs> he was in a Woody Allen film in 2019. So. Well, so proud of my son. I hope he's unproblematic. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of unproblematic sons. Yeah. Uh, No, freeze frame, smash cat. Uh, We're in some metallic suits that are very oversized. And the buttons are undone down our chest quite far. And we both have frosted tips. It's Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) It's Oceans 3. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 3.5, because let's let uh, 
Oh my god, my brain is such Cassette. a mess. Cassette! Will that be half an ocean? Three and a half oceans. That's cute. I like that. Um. So, as warned, threatened, um, <laughs> you've all been waiting for, we will be performing a lot of the coming chapter because... This was so much fun to act, to read. Like I actually had a good time this week doing my Victor Hugo homework. And so you will have it imposed upon you now from the both of us. We actually didn't choose. I've not assigned who's reading whose part. Do you want to cast it direct does, to Stevie? <laughs> does your heart have a song? No, it doesn't have a song. Does yours? Mm. Not really, like, I'd initially assumed that I would be the nun, but, um, it could go either way here. What, what are you feeling? I'm feeling, I'm feeling nunly today. I'm, okay. You know, my closeness to God. closer than ever. You know what? Actually, one thing, like, uh, as I've said many times, I've never believed in God, I've never had religion, but every time I've seen a film where there's like a monk in it, I've always been like, one day I'm going to quit the world and just become a monk, specifically like a D- Tibetan monk or something, mm. not really like the like English European monks, but the kind of Asian monks or like Buddhist monks. I'm like, yeah, I could get behind that. I could get behind that. <laughs> I mean, I literally also have the occasion where I'm like, if it all goes to shit, like, I can pretend to believe in God again and just like, <laughs> I don't know, I can just do some tasks. You know the ones where like you go visit a nice church, like a yeah. big one, and they're like, here's the jam that the nuns made. And you're like, I can make jam. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like filled with like just like making honey and just sort of <laughs> making noises, bells, chimes, that kind of stuff. Well, I'm glad that our future dream of, like, our shared house farm is closer to commune with every single day. (laughs) I should know better, but (laughs) do we ever escape our roots? (laughs) We are doomed to repeat our parents' mistakes. So, to get you nice and ready for that, you today, Nemo, in the role of... Oh no. <laughs> I've just mother, been like. Mother. Mother. In the role of mother. Mother. Oh, she had a name. She does Innocent. have a name. No. That's no, the she's one. the one who's so no gay. longer with us. Crucifixion. No, that's the mm. dead one. This is Fauchelevon. Mother Madeline. Oh no. The prioress, whose name must be here somewhere. Okay, yeah. Charming and learned Mademoiselle de Blemer, Mère Innocent. Oh, it was. You were right. (laughs) (laughs) You already knew your role, and I will be taking the role of uh, Fauchelevent. Excellent. So as we left them, they both just sat down to have a chat, um, Mm. and... Fauchelevent was like, hey, I have this brother, like, I am a bit weak these days, like, what if my brother, and he's so strong, and get this, also he has a daughter, and maybe she'll be a nun, what if he came and helped me out? And the prioress was like, okay, if you do something for me, and you're gonna need an iron bar for it. And that's where we kind of left off. Oh, yeah, the oceans. Yeah, 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 the oceans. Yeah, 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 the cups, free frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all here. This is proto-oceans. Mm-hmm. 
Do I just go into it, Stevie? <laughs> yeah, we're sat across the table from each other. Um, okay, we didn't even Keegan... do any vocal warm-ups, though. <laughs> I'd rather the vocal fry, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Hugo assures us that he's going to reproduce this conversation we're about to have as best he can. Okay. As we are. Father Fauvent. Reverend Mother. You are familiar with the chapel. I have a little cubicle there to hear mass and attend the offices. And you've gone into the choir for your work. Two or three times. There's a stone there that has to be lifted up. Heavy. The flagstone from the pavement near the altar. The stone that steals the crypt? Yes. This is a time when it would be good to have two men here. Mother Ascension is as strong as a man. She'll help you. A woman's never the same as a man. (laughs) We only have a woman to help you. Everyone does what they can. Because Dom Mabillion gives 417 epistles of St. Bernard and Melonus Hostius gives only 367. I do not look down on Melonus Hostius. Oh, neither do I. Merit consists in working according to your strength. A cloister is not a building site. And a woman is not a man. My brother's the strong one. And then you'll have a lever. That's the only kind of key that goes into doors like that. There is a ring in the stone. I'll put the lever through it. And the stone is set up to pivot. That's fine, Reverend Mother. I'll open the crypt. And the four canter mothers will assist you. And once the crypt is open? It will have to be shut again. Will that be all? No. Give me your orders, very reverend mother. For vaunt, we have confidence in you. I'm here to do whatever's to be done. And to keep quiet about everything. Yes, reverend mother. When the vault is open... I'll close it again. But before that... What, reverend mother? Something has to be lowered into it. There was a pause. The prioress thrust her lower lip into that pout that looked like a hesitation, then broke the silence. (laughs) (laughs) Father Fauvent... Reverend Mother! You know that a mother died this morning. No! Didn't you hear the bell then? You don't hear anything at the bottom of the garden. Really? I only just managed to hear the bell when it rings for me. She died at daybreak. And then this morning the wind wasn't blowing in my direction. It was Mother Crucifixion, one of the blessed. Three years ago a Jansenite, Madame de Bethune, only had to see Mother Crucifixion praying and she turned orthodox. Ah, yes, I can hear the bell tolling now, Reverend Mother. The mothers have carried her to the room of the dead that opens into the church. I know. No man other than you can or should enter that room. You make sure of that. That would be a pretty sight to see a man go into the room of the dead. More often. What? More often. What do you say? I'm saying more often. More often what? Reverend Mother, I'm not saying more often than what? I'm saying more often. I don't understand you. Why do you say more often? I was saying what you said, Reverend Mother. But I didn't say more often. Bong, 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 bong. At nine o'clock in the morning and at any hour, praised and adored be the most blessed sacrament of the altar. Amen. (laughs) It was just as well that the hour struck. It put an end to more often. That is literally a a true Ronnie sketch, isn't it? (laughs) Like, um, the offense, isn't it? And the, like, two conversations happening at once that she's still on track and he's like, oh no, I've really got to lay this lie on thicker. <laughs> yeah, literally. Well, I thought it was a, I thought it was a too Ronnie sketch, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's part of the Fort Candles one. Um, I don't actually know the too Ronnie, so I, I'm ready to agree with whatever you say confidently. 
<laughs> it's basically like um, a person. I mean, it's not going to. You should go and watch the four, <laughs> the four candles sketch, but it was basically two people misunderstanding by one being like, um, I'd like four candles and the other one being like, here are four candles and the other one being like, no, I need handles for my forks, four candles, oh my God. <laughs> which is basically that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Basically there is a lot of that in this chapter. Um, so then she goes on to describe to him, like, basically, a nun has died. It, sorry, it was um, it was the the orphan orphan thing is part of the um, is part of uh, the comedy opera uh, Pirates of Penzance, I think, um, because all of the pirates are orphans. Uh, pirates of Penzance. <laughs> Keep singing, then. <laughs> I'm trying to find the lyrics. <laughs> I'm trying to find it, and the only thing that is like referencing it is from Manassas Church of Christ in Manassas, Virginia. Oh, wow! Uh, so really, we're on the. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, it's a. Ske- I'll put them both in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's a sketch in and Gilbert and Sullivan, and it's basically exactly like this. So you've already experienced it, yeah, and we'll experience more of it. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so in the next bit, the prioress, yeah, is like, so the nun who's died, Mayor Crucifixion, basically, she died very godly, and she's a saint among us. She had a very fine death. Um, she, re- she remained conscious to the very end, um, and she spoke to the angels, and it, in her like final moments, basically like, laid down what it is she wanted for her Um Okay, like the death ceremony, the funeral of like she wants to be laid in the coffin she'd been using for her bed this whole time. Because she's and then... a vampire. <laughs> and placed in the crypt, which, yeah, it doesn't detract from the she's a vampire. Um, and the prioress is like trying to sell it to him, but like, you know, she's she was very saintly, and isn't that right that she should go where she asked and we should you know carry out the wishes of the dead and he's just like yeah okay whatever um and she's been speaking like with the other nuns and some other ecclesiastics uh yeah and she sort of get she's like really having a moment in the in these chapters and she's like she should get to do what she wants with her death because St. Terence, bishop of portus at the mouth of the tiber he asked for a sign to be put on the graves put on the graves of so he there was a saint who basically had the sign for parasites which is a parent killer carved onto his gravestone so that passers-by would spit on his tomb oh my god and that's what he asked and the dead have to be obeyed and you're like strange kink but sure okay (laughs) um and she's got like a couple of those but yeah basically making her case for like Shouldn't we do what these saintly people want in death? And then the next, like, bit we will be reading. Turn to page 484. The prioress then spoke again. Father Favant, Mother Crucifixion will be buried in the coffin in which she has slept for 20 years. Rightly so. Death is merely a prolongation of sleep. So I'll have to nail down that coffin with her inside it. Yes. And we'll leave aside the undertaker's coffin. Exactly. I'm here to serve the very reverend community. The four canton mothers will help you. 
And nailing down the coffin? I don't need their help. No, to lower it down. Where? Into the vault. What vault? Under the altar. I stare at you aghast. The crypt <laughs> under the altar? Under the altar. But- You'll lever up the stone with the bar using the ring. Yes, but- We must obey the dead to be buried in the vault under the altar of the chapel, not to go into profane ground to remain in death where she had prayed in life. This was Mother Crucifixion's last wish. She asked us, that is, she ordered us. But it's forbidden. Forbidden by men. Ordered. By God. What if it were to become known? We have confidence in you. Oh me, I'm a stone in your wall. <laughs> the chapter has assembled. The vocal mothers, whom I have just consulted again and who are deliberating as we speak, have decided that Mother Crucifixion will be buried in her coffin under our altar, according to her wish. You'll see if there won't be miracles galore here, Father Fauvant. What glory in God for the community. Miracles spring from graves. But Reverend Mother... If the representative of the health department... St. Benedict II, on the question of burial, resisted Constantine Pognosius. But the police superintendent... Chona de Mer, one of the seven German kings who joined in the Gauls in the reign of Constantius, expressly recognised the right of the religious to be buried in religion, that is, under the altar. But the perfectural inspector! The world is nothing in the face of the cross. Martin, 11th general of the Carthusians, gave his order his motto, Stat crux dum volviter orbis. Amen, said Fauchelevent, unshakable in this method of saving face whenever he heard Latin. <laughs> <laughs> it really was a cold read, me not having uh, read any of those words before and trying to pronounce them. <laughs> It was really good. (laughs) (laughs) And keeping character, I was like, decided not to do one. No voice for this for me. Um, And then, like, Hugo basically really makes clear he tells us what he's been showing us. (laughs) To this point, I thought effectively. He's like, any audience satisfies someone who has been silent for too long. And is, yeah, basically, like, the prioress has, you know, just been doing her orders and doing her job she's usually subject to the dam of silence and with her reservoir full to overflowing stood up and exclaimed with the effectiveness of an open sluice gate (laughs) Uh, and just like she's been waiting basically to really go off and she has and she goes further Um, (laughs) I'm not gonna make Nemo read it's literally a solid page of dialogue, but... I love this one, though. On my right, I have Benedict, and on my left, Bernard. Who is Bernard? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So here she's like, because they're the... Uh, oh, I did need my notes. Sarah was right to bring them to me. <laughs> the St. Benedicts of the Betty Peepers. <laughs> um, so those are the two saints that this particular order like have affinity for. So here she's like, here is what they represent and stand for. Who is Bernard? He was the first abbot of Clairvaux and basically lists all his accolades. Like he founded 160 monasteries. He was in some councils, fulminated against the Jew-killing monk Radolf, settled the disputes of princes, instructed King Louis the Young, counseled Pope uh, Eugenius the Third formulated the rule of the Templars, preached the Crusade, and you're like, um, performed 250 miracles during his lifetime. 
his Benedict, he was the patriarch of Monte Cassino. Um, which for a second, when I first read it, was like Monte Cristo. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> but still, um, the most any- ambitious crossover of this century. <laughs> they were friends. It could have yeah. been, um, but not the saint. But Benedict ordered for he pro- his order produced forty popes. And we get some Victor Hugo loving our numbers, like 40 popes, 200 cardinals, 50 patriarchs, 1,600 archbishops, 4,600 bishops, 4 emperors, 12 empresses, 46 kings, 41 queens, 3,600 canonized saints. And it has been going for 1,400 years. And a partridge on a It's so the vibe. She's like... On the one hand, St. Bernard. On the other, the representative of the health department. On the one hand, St. Benedict. On the other, the inspector of public works. The state public works, undertakers, regulations, administrations. Do you recognize any of that? Who's going to object to the way we're treated? Nobody. We don't even have the right to offer our dust to Jesus Christ. Your health department is a revolutionary invention. God subordinated to the police superintendent. That's the age we live in. Silence for one. Joshua Levon was not terribly comfortable under this barrage. The prioress <laughs> continued. <laughs> She's been waiting for this her moment. And every like every version of I've not seen many of the interpretations and reimaginings and the BBCs and what and the movies. But she's been robbed. This would be <laughs> such a good part to do for when you're a little actor and you're like, I need to do a bit. I need to read a bit to try and get into this play. <laughs> oh my god. So our our adaptation is literally it goes like the bishop, then we skip a bit, and then it's this Madam Baronet uh uh but 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 mother mother innocent and then it's like skip to the end or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already were gonna have our half ghost story, half uh it's behind you. Oh yeah pantomime. Yeah. We just we just picking out our favorite little religious character's name. <laughs> so when when people join our um insular community uh, <laughs> commune and uh, every time they have to watch our play in which we are cast in these roles and we're like and we switch roles halfway through. Yeah. Um yeah. She continues on to yeah, basically that feels like the thesis statement of what she's saying that like you're trying to bring up that basically the nun who's died her body the doctor will come and be like yep she's dead and then the state sends a coffin and then the coffin with the nun's body in it gets taken away to like this specific cemetery where she'll be buried but that's not what she wanted she wants to go and uh the altar in the crypt and that's like what the problem is here um and yeah the fashion like oh but this is illegal and she's like how dare you you're gonna tell god sorry i probably was uh got very much too loud right there um, <laughs> you're gonna tell god that we can't be buried where he sent her a vision of where she should be buried. And that, yeah, she was like, that's the problem with things today. People don't know what they should know. Um, and they're ungodly. And Louis the 
XV1, he's only a king. Let us be mindful of God. Religion is attacked. Why? Because there have been some bad... There's been some bad priests. But, um, yeah, anyway, and the saints, they're persecuted. Um, no one takes hell seriously. It's forbidden to die a godly death. Burial is a civil matter. They used to have a voice in this chapter. She hates psalm singers. She hates priors. She hates uh, execrate heretics but she hates people who pretend like the church didn't used to have more power <laughs> and more of a say and then she draws a breath and turns to him and is like do we understand each other <laughs> it is agreed reverend mother <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this where, where um uh, they persecute the saints. They shut their eyes to the truth. They are used to getting around in the dark. The wildest beasts are blind beasts. No one takes hell seriously anymore. Oh, the wicked people. In the name of the king now means in the name of the revolution. No one knows anymore what they owe either to the living or to the dead. Dying a holy death is now forbidden. Burial is a civil affair. It is horrifying. Like, she's gonna be crying soon when the whole... <laughs> when she realises she's in a book about revolution. <laughs> <laughs> the irony this is like the god damn it Nima what is it called when you do a bit where only one character is talking monologue a monologue this is like my favourite monologue this is why we're both snatching it away from each other because you're like this slaps <laughs> <laughs> agree or disagree it's so good like she's so impassioned it's delightful to read like whether like you don't have to agree or believe in anything she's saying you're just like yes and passion from this character it's good it's great <laughs> next time i get commissioned to like write a monologue because i've been commissioned this like uh lockdown to commission to write quite a few monologues next time i'm just gonna rip this straight <laughs> from the page because nobody's gonna remember that it's from victor hugo like how, how would you remember that <laughs> i think you should i love it i love her <laughs> I love her too. I, I do I do think that our adaptation needs like we don't change anything about the last six pages. Like <laughs> this is all going directly to film. It's almost monologue except for Fashavant who's like, um Amen <laughs> <laughs> I'm at your command. Yeah, and they just like several times reiterate the plan, like, okay. So and the plan is, if I've not already said it, um, they're gonna put there's going to be two coffins. There's going to be the coffin that the state brings for them to put the body in. But when it's nighttime, because he's the only him and like the doctor and the people who come and collect the, the, the coffin bearers are allowed in, he'll go put the body into the preferred coffin that she used to sleep in. And in the dead of the night, they're going to weave her up the uh, big grate over the crypt under the altar put the empty body in there no no put the put the coffin that does have a body down there and then there will be an empty coffin upstairs and yeah. that's the deal between 11 o'clock and midnight all this will be done with utmost secrecy um, and she's like and you'll take your bell off because we don't need to you know let more people know that this is happening than who are like in the know and he's like oh but you know what about because, okay, so, so you're going to have some of your nuns help me, but, you know, what about the one who's on the post? And she's like, oh, he, she won't turn around. And they're like, oh, but, you know, she'll hear. And he, she's like, she won't listen. Anyway, what the cloister knows is not known to the world. More planning. 
more asking if you hear bells that that has been sprinkled in the bits we've not been reading where he's like i can hear that bell now like oh but i couldn't hear that one earlier like just to really rub it in because we know he can hear every bell and he knows what all of them means but he sort of dumps himself down Mm. when speaking to them and he keep and he keeps sprinkling in the like oh you ever have any more jobs like this because you know it's been pretty heavy um we bring up that great i have this brother that's as strong as an ox <laughs> and she just kind of ignores him at this point which is like and you'll be quick about it and he's like yeah okay i'll be quick but, you know i'm crippled and that's why it'd be really good to have someone to help me um and i put a little question mark next to this line because he's like oh he says because you know someone to help me because i limp Limping's not a sin and maybe a blessing. Mm. Uh, this emperor who opposed the something and reestablished this in two epithets, the, he cares for the pious and the lame. And you're like, cool, thanks. <laughs> that doesn't help mine. My translation is slightly different in, the, in this line. There's nothing wrong with limping. It may even be a blessing. So instead of uh, it's not a sin um, and then blah, 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 blah. Um, Benedict the Benedict the Eighth has two nicknames: the Saint and the Limper. Mm. It, it is interesting. It is interesting how translations can make the same sentence slightly different. Because yours uh, implied that it was like a sin, as in it's like godly bad to be mm. to have a limp. Whereas this one is like, um, there's nothing wrong with limping. <laughs> okay, it's fine. Well, yeah. Because this probably would have been at a point in time, like he was, he has a limp from an injury, mm. but you know, those, those good old days, um, I hope my voice cracked enough to make it clear that clearly this isn't what we think, but you know, when it'd be like, if you've got any deformity or just like ableism off the charts, like, oh, you have a limp that God says you deserve it. So you're probably bad. So I could see why you, it would be translated to a sin i guess a sin's mm. like quite intense but i could so yeah i could also see why it would just be like limping's not bad <laughs> i mean i guess like to to go into the meta a bit victor hugo did give this injury to fauchelevent because he didn't like jean valjean and then he he, he had to suffer this scare quotes punishment in order to understand that Jean Valjean was a good person and as we all know Jean Valjean is God slash Jesus <laughs> so in a way it is in mm. in this a si- like it's a proof that he was a sinner which is mm, <laughs> really ableism in there <laughs> oh, he doesn't let us forget it yeah. that there's um there's like more lines throughout maybe even upcoming in the next couple chapters but uh, a liberal sprinkling of ableism so my one the next line is translators two overcoats are a very good thing to have about her saying you know he's this that emperor who had two epithets uh, and my little author's note says that Fauchelevent has misheard the reverend mother who spoke of two epithets synonyms not two overcoats not two overcoats said toots <laughs> <laughs> so he's having fun with language uh, something that we will never understand <laughs> um, so yeah continuing on Fauchelevent's like I'll do everything to prove my devotion to the community reiterates the plan again to Hoffins 
move Nan to second so that she can go encrypt. Other buried as usual. I like made notes on what the plan is several times over the course of this one chapter because I was like, I'm definitely going to lose the plot. (laughs) Even though they keep saying it. And then we get to the problem of like, so what will be done with the other coffin? It'll be buried. Empty? Um, Yeah, we've got this empty coffin and some coffin bearers coming to take that away. They're going to be able to tell that there's not the weight of a body in here. Um, So he's like, oh, I'll put some dirt in it. And she's like, you're right, earthen man. They're one and the same. So you'll take care of the empty coffin. And I just love a little uh, man and earth, one and the same. (laughs) Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but also very Kefalar romantic. Mm. It's got it all. (laughs) Oh, and man was made from clay, was he? Mm. Is that... Christian one or is that not the Christian one? Oh, I have no idea. I but um, all I know about clay things is the golem. So yeah. Oh, I should know that. I need to stop actively repressing Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> um, in a, uh, on Wikipedia, it says religion and folklore. According to Quran twenty three twelve, God created man from clay. In Jewish folklore, a golem is an animated being made from clay it's in greek it's in sumerian in gilgamesh in egyptian mythology in chinese mythology babylonian hindu hawaiian yoruba according to genesis 2 7 and the lord god formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils 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 (laughs) the breath of life and man became a living soul so not clay but dust in, but everyone in else is doing clay so yeah exactly even like yeah so it's like even in korean in the north in the maori in the inca and then in some indigenous americans uh, literally everyone <laughs> even the one the superhero in wonder woman was sculpted from clay by hippolyta everyone's doing it christian's not allowed <laughs> i think it was just a bad translation way back when <laughs> i'm sure it was also clay and that's why i thought that um I, I knew it was the dust but you're like you add some water to dust that could be clay um, <laughs> But yeah, that's his plan. And she's like, great, that sounds great. And then she dismisses him in the way that a superior would dismiss an inferior. And he makes for the door. He's had enough of this. Um, But she's like, I'm really pleased with you, Père Favant. Tomorrow after the burial, bring your brother to me and and tell him to bring his daughter. (laughs) Hey, he got what he wanted, finally. Only fun and hijinks here. Yeah, I I just enjoy that last chapter. <laughs> it's it's very good. Um and yes, we do need to make a full on adaptation out of it. It's just got energy and life and it's <laughs> not just Hugo talking about what he thinks prayers are. <laughs> <laughs> It's excellent. But it did include a little bit of it, you know? He did sprinkle in a bit of education in, in her rant. Mm. So it's not so it's not like he couldn't just why couldn't he do this with like the rest of it? <laughs> it's not like he's not capable of it, Hugo. <laughs> we give that a tick, but we've given you crosses before, so <laughs> they all just equalize each other out. <laughs> um and we do have time for the next chapter. I had no lot lo- uh, I had no idea how long it was going to take us to do that first one. So at first I was like, I'm not going to read any more chapters. And then I was like, mm, if it took him 
Say it took him weeks to write that. And it took me like half an hour to read in my head. That doesn't necessarily mean it'll take an hour to read. It'll probably take less time to read. <laughs> so I did go I did read some more chapters. Excellent. Um in which it seems Jean Valjean might well have read Austin Castellejo. I'm gonna say it's Castellejo. Yes, that sounds way better. <laughs> <laughs> because it looks Spanish and mm. I don't think they say they're J's. Yeah, I just gave that a little English cold read. <laughs> <laughs> we love a good J. Jalapenos. <laughs> oh, here it is. Just as I warned, the strides of a cripple are like the leers of a one-eyed man. <laughs> they do not reach their goal very swiftly. Uh. Jessam. Uncut, Victor Hugo. (laughs) (laughs) Coming at you. Um, Mm. Fauchelevant is perplexed. He's sort of thinking on all that's just happened as he's going back to where Jean Valjean and Cosette are in the little shed at the edge of the grounds. I wonder why... Like, we haven't been misspeaking... um, uh, the mother has been calling Fauchelevant Fauvant. I wonder yeah. why, whether he introduced himself as Fauvant or whether she shortened it. It's not like a religious thing to. I know it's. A, I know that they all took up nicknames, the nuns <laughs> did, but surely they don't just shorten Fauchelevant's name to Fauvant. It was actually described in detail at one point, and I was like, this isn't important. <laughs> I can't can't remember is the answer. They also call him Père Fauvent sometimes. You're like, ah, Daddy Fauchelevant. That's hilarious. I can make a note to think about going back and finding that. Um, I should have known better than to think that Victor Hugo (laughs) wouldn't have fucking explained it in great detail. (laughs) If anything ever doesn't seem described, I've probably just been like, pfft. (laughs) <laughs> nobody's gonna care about that <laughs> oh, it's in there somewhere probably within this actual not this chat in the this book as in this collection of chapters <laughs> it's in this it's certainly <laughs> in this novel <laughs> it's in there somewhere um so he gets back to them and he gets that as jean valjean is like so cosette um we're gonna we're gonna come stay here and we're gonna be very happy, but first you're gonna have to be taken out of here with this old man. He's gonna carry you on his back, and you'll go to a lady's house and I'll come fetch you. You need to do as you're told and don't say anything. You don't want Madame Tenardier to take you away again. This again, come on. <laughs> this again. She nods very gravely and you're like, God. <laughs> also gravely in the back of our grave um, Somebody cancel you. <laughs> please. Um, Fauchelevant's like, well, it's all sorted out. Nothing's sorted out. Um, I've got the permission to bring you in, but before bringing you in, I've got to take you out. And they have a their little their version of the back and forth of like, well, you're going to carry her out and she'll be quiet. I guarantee it. But you, Père Madeleine. And again, Fauchelevant's like, why can't you go the way you came in? <laughs> and Fauchelevant's like, impossible. <laughs> and Fauchelevant's like, okay. Um, anyway, this second unrelated issue is worrying me. <laughs> I've got this empty 
coffin and I just don't know what to do about it because you know I've thought about it and the dirt's probably gonna move around in the coffin like there's no way the coffin bearers aren't gonna be able to tell anyway what are we gonna do <laughs> um and there's actually so there's some lines I like in this where he he describes this the his whole interaction he they share their days <laughs> he tells them what was going on with the Priorus, and that he's like, you know, this nun has died, and blah, 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 and here's the plan. Um, she wants to be buried under the altar in the chapel, and this is forbidden by police regulations, but she's one of those dead to whom nothing is denied, which I quite like that. Never mind about the government. Um, he's doing some more planning, and John's like, wait, empty coffin? It's like, yeah, the authorities' coffin. What coffin and what authorities? A nun dies. The municipal doctor comes and says, there's a nun that's died. The government sends a coffin. The next day, it sends a hearse and coffin bearers to collect the coffin and bring it to the cemetery. And I was like, excellent. This is a, this is the most succinct way you've put it so far. But, <laughs> um, and that, but there'll be nothing inside the coffin. And he's like, we'll put something in it. He's like, a dead body. I haven't got one of those. I was like, no. What then? A living person. One living person. <laughs> Me! So John Valjean. <laughs> There's just a lot of good back and forth dialogue in this particular book. I got really distracted because I, um, I'm i like reading along with you now and I saw something that I had underlined like six times, which is yeah, directly after this, Jean Valjean gave one of those rare smiles that came over him like a ray of sunshine in a winter sky. Oh, just I, like, I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll be the moment in the movie where we're like, get that sunbeam through that window. <laughs> he is the son of God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they talk about that some more. And yeah, they end up being him being like, yeah, okay, so like, just put me in there. I said, find a basket and a covering for me the same way you did for Cosette. Well, here's a basket of pine and the covering of a black pool. And he's like, well, for starters, it'll be a white pool. Nuns are buried in white. He's like, a white pool then. Um, and this wouldn't be how he would say this line, but I imagine it in a very breathy, like, you're a man unlike any other pair, Madeline. When <laughs> really at this point he's just like, you're a man unlike any other pen. Like, what is I can't believe you've come up with this plan. <laughs> because these are ideas which um are nothing other than the wild and daring and inventions of prison hulks, uh, that someone like Fauchelevant, like it's astounding to him because why would you think of plans like this so off the cuff? Unless you've had to. Mm-hmm. Um so the next part of the plan is that they're like, well, so how do we get out of here without being seen? This will solve that. But what happens and where is this coffin? It's like, the empty one? Yes, downstairs. And what's called the room for the dead? Um, so they have to plan out like how Jean Valjean's actually going to get to where the empty coffin will be. And there's a little closet that Fauchelevent keeps his tools in that he's like, I'll hide you in there. Um <laughs> A small dark closet off the room. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, oh, what time's the coffin, the like hearse coming? It's like, oh, about three o'clock in the afternoon. The burial will be at nightfall. 
Jean Valjean uh, was like, I'll be hiding in a tool closet all night and all morning. What about food? I'll be hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bring you something. You could come and nail down the coffin with me inside of it at two (laughs) o'clock. I have this as you can come and nail me in the coffin into in the coffin (laughs) you can come and nail me in the coffin your one's better your one's better okay between our two versions we're gonna make the the most peak version of this (laughs) chapter um yeah more talking about nailing some wood (laughs) uh hammering some nails Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and what seemed appalling to Fauchelevent was, we repeat, commonplace to Jean, uh, Jean Valjean getting nailed in dark closets. Sure, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, now the um, having to come up with escape plans. Uh, the prisoner is prone to escape, just as a sick man is prone to the crisis that kills or curses him. Which I didn't really actually understand the second part of that. Is prone mm. to... The thing you're dying of? Is that what that means? Uh, pr- what's the question? The prisoner is prone to escape. Mm-hmm. Yes, I follow. Just as the sick man is prone to the crisis that kills or cures him. That's, yeah, that's interesting. That I feel like, because prone in my head, in D&D terms, is like <laughs> when you are like unable to... It's kind of like mini paralyzed, right? Mm. Like you can't yeah. move from there. So a sick person is paralyzed to the crisis that cures or kills him. But then the prisoner is paralyzed I, I, to like, flight. Pro- prone here is like like a habit. Like you're a prisoner is gonna mm. keep trying to escape. It was mm. more like like it's not a line that's important for me to like fully a hundred percent grab. Like I get it from mm. the a prisoner is prone to escape. But it's also just one of those ones where I'm like, I'm sure this is really grandiose in Victor Hugo's head that it almost gives me joy when I'm not smart enough to follow what he's trying to say. I think maybe the next line, an escape is a cure, is probably the answer. As mm. in a sick person, a sick person who knows that um, like death is the cure is. So a prisoner is prone to flight the same way a sick person wants to kill themselves like or euthanasia. kill himself oh no because no i guess the escape is a cure means the prisoner escape is a cure to the illness that is prison hmm. <laughs> we've definitely like sorry i've definitely drawn way too much attention to this sentence <laughs> like, i feel like the, what it's trying to say is like uh, the same way a sick man will keep looking for something mm-hmm. that will either cure him or might end up killing him Mm. It was just the way it's written that I was like, I know what the feeling of this is, and I know what these words mean separately, but the way you put them together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving swiftly on, this is one of Jean Valjean's sinister talents. I, I like the full line of this to cut down your breathing for hours on end, to know how to suffocate without dying. This was one of the dark talents of Jean Valjean. So when he's been nailed in these dark places, he's also been giving blowjobs. <laughs> 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 and breath play is great. Yep. <laughs> um, he knows this, but Fauchelevent's like, well, how will you breathe? And he's like, I'll breathe in that box. Just to think of it suffocates me. He's like, mm, well, I'll be fine, but give me a gimlet and I'll make some holes then around my mouth. So don't nail it down too tightly. Um, 
Fine, and what if you should happen to cough or sneeze? A man escaping doesn't cough or sneeze. <laughs> Jean Valjean added, Fauchelevent, there's a decision to be made. Either be caught here or agree to be taken out of here in a hearse. Uh, oh, you got a nice... Is it a nice little metaphor? It amused me. <laughs> he was like, the overly cautious for all that they are cats... And because they are cats, sometimes put themselves in greater danger than the bold. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, like, a person, like, a cat will be like, do I want to come inside or do I want to stay outside? I'm just going to stare at this open door. And you have to be mm. like, well, come on in then. And, like, my family has cats. It's 100% a thing where you're like, you just meowed to be let out. <laughs> Why are you just still staring at me? That they need to be encouraged. So Fauchelevent needs that little extra push. And Jean Valjean's cool determination overcomes him. And he's like, you're right. Let's do it. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, Jean Valjean's like, oh, okay. The thing that does worry me, because like, I'm not worried about the rest of it, is like, what happens when we get to the cemetery? And Fauchelevent's like, that's the bit. Doesn't worry me at all. Like, none of this other stuff. Like, not the plan I have going with the prioress. And not how we're going to get you nailed into that <laughs> small dark space um, don't worry about the cemetery the gravedigger's a drunkard friend of mine and if he is drunk already I'll just be like I'll do your job and he'll go get a drink and if he's not drunk yet I'll just be like let's go get a drink before you do this and I'll drink him under the table and then I'll take his, his gravedigger's pass so I can get into the cemetery and I'll return without him it's fine I'm not even worried about it um <laughs> Jean Valjean holds out his hand and Fauchelevent was quick to respond with heartwarming, rustic enthusiasm. <laughs> I, I do love listening to your translation because I feel like I can make mine far more erotic. <laughs> I drag him away, I get him drunk, I drink him under the table for you. I take his pass into the table uh, in, to get back into the cemetery. I come back without him, then you'll only have me to deal with. <laughs> Off you go, I'll stand in for you. Off he goes and I... Off he goes and I pull you out of the hole. Jean Valjean put out his hand and Fauchelevent fell on it with touching peasant-style emotion. Agreed, <laughs> Father Fauchelevent. It will all be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Your one is closer to the, like, uh, soft porn vibes that we're going for. <laughs> but mine is closer to the caper vibes because my last line is... That's true. As long as nothing goes wrong, thought Fauchelevent. Imagine how terrible that could be. <laughs> My name's provided nothing goes wrong. What if it all goes horribly wrong? Uh, diphthong. Is diphthong the one where it's like question mark, exclamation mark? Ooh, or a, oh, or it's a something bang, isn't it? Oh, interrobang. Interrobang. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like my one, the last line better. Mm. Mine's a bit I like, like cheesy, hammy after the fell after on his hand. Yeah, because mm. I feel like, like it's still pretty. Like you're like, oh, imagine what terrible thing could go wrong. I'm sure it all will then. Um, but it's like a slightly that one grain of sand more subtle, maybe. <laughs> and I have actually read the next chapter, just in case. But I don't know that we need it yet. I think we have a cliffhanger. <laughs> Ooh, so freeze frame. Remember the outfits that everyone was in. Remember the color of the metallic suit. Because we're about to 
the screen is about to spin off, off camera <laughs> and the new scene is here and we're in different metallic suits. What could possibly go wrong? Imagine. I'm sure it won't. Um, as long as nothing goes wrong, it's fine. Um, it's all good. The plan is in place and it's watertight. Um, I'm sure it's all going to go very well. <laughs> it's just two dads with a plan. <laughs> and one nun saying what she wants to say. <laughs> <laughs> and one child <laughs> dying of hypothermia in a cl- in a in a cabin. <laughs> this has been maybe one of them. I don't know if it's also just like coming off the back of the last, not the last recording, but the last ones where I was like squeezing all those little chapters into one. Mm. These are so fun. <laughs> like the high is so high. Maybe that's actually why Victor Hugo does it. He really takes me to some low dark places that I'm like, woo, this is great. He's a good writer. He's got some good tension going on. This is what I've been saying though, like, um the I I, I refute even though that is what I have been saying, these are my this is my favourite chapters like the they and nobody adapts it which is so sad like this is the funniest fucking part like why would you put the tenadiers as your comic relief when you literally have like uh, a gardener breaking a convict out of a nunnery like come on <laughs> that like just that the gardener breaks a convict out of a nunnery through hijinks and there's there's a body in a coffin, but which one? <laughs> like it's all there. And and we've already referenced the two Ronnies. We've referenced Gilbert and Sullivan, Pirates of Penzance. Like it's 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 in. It's got wordplay. It's got surname na- nom. Uh, patronym no the wordplay of the surnames <laughs> it's got everything it's yeah it's like basically waiting for a chuckle brother scene with the coffin bearers <laughs> to me to you we've got yeah. these there's two separate coffin carrying scenes one of them involves nuns <laughs> like wh- what you can this was almost overkill it's so good <laughs> I really actually I kind of want to make a full adaptation of this where everything is like really really grim dark like um like even piling on the misery even more than Victor Hugo does but then keeping this scene as comedic as possible like pro- like actual ju- like hiring oh, I think one of the chuckle brothers is dead isn't he but hiring the remaining one to- <laughs> one chuckle yeah, he can play. He can play Fauchelevent. He would be excellent. an excellent Fauchelevent. I'm just like imagining the scene of the nuns in the night helping Fauchelevent. Like Fauchelevent's out here, like I'm gonna need some men, and the prioress is like, "Do not worry, I have you covered <laughs> with my nuns." So I'm just like, just imagining, like, are they huge and hench, or they're like the smallest little nuns you've ever seen, oh but God. they just like yeet this thing up into the air. A, a good mix. A good mix of big heavy thick nuns and um some small little innocent looking cherub spider nuns um and they're all girlfriends so and they're going into a crypt there could be some spooks going on i don't know <laughs> it's great um and it's been wasted no maybe it's not been wasted Maybe no one else is going to interpret it the proper way, the way that Hugo intended. It's been waiting for us this whole time (laughs) to give it the 
this attention that it really deserves. You're so right, because we're not going to be following in the footsteps of all of those fucking idiots like Davies and Largely. We're going to be doing the proper adaptation. (laughs) The way Victor Hugo wanted it to be told. As the best wives of Victor Hugo. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what your Kofi money is going towards anyway. Anything else? Otherwise, I will close. Yeah, I think we're good. I don't think we should say more words. (laughs) (laughs) Ever again. (laughs) This has been Bread and Barricades, a latest podcast produced by me, Nima Martin, and Julian. Yeah, it was a Captain's Collections podcast. If you like this um, uh, uh, acting, you can give us a tip on Kofi. which you can find in our show notes or you can uh, donate to our Patreon or you can send us an email saying how much you thought we should stay in our lane as edgy comedy <laughs> podcasters and not as actors <laughs> by sending this email to lamespodcast at gmail.com l-e-s-m-i-s podcast at gmail.com or on our Twitter at lamespodcast or on Tumblr at Bread and Barricades our sound director is Jade who you can find at jdwasabi.com or on her bandcamp jdwasabi.bandcamp.com where you can download this beautiful theme tune playing over the top of us right now <laughs> well that's it this time <laughs> that's all for folks <laughs> thank you for <laughs> listening <coughs> clear, yeah. clear that out right at the end mm. Mm. tasty <laughs> <laughs>